watch the throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 10, Cider House Rules from 1999. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and today we have a very special episode for you. Special in that we recorded an episode, and then due to some technical difficulties on behalf of our guest's computer, we lost the episode. Yes. So we actually, we have, we have my audio, we have Mike's audio, but it doesn't make sense without our guest's audio. So no. today's sort of an in-memoriam episode for the the episode that was the Cider yes. House Rules. Yes, it's it's another first here at Cage Club, I feel. I watched the Thoreau where it's the first time we've lost an episode. So it's the official lost episode episode, and we're going to just recap what we remember from the movie and go over it a little bit and then just talk about for a little while. So our guest on the episode was John Brooks, who, if you listen to Keanu Club, was on all of our religious episodes, all of our yep. Matrix episodes. He was on The Man of Tai Chi. He was on Constantine. He was on Siddhartha. And he had signed up for this movie because he really likes this movie. Uh, he, you know, <laughs> he lives in New England. He grew up in New England. This is a very New England movie. Uh, he spoke a lot about John Irving, this author, and about how this is adapted from a John Irving book, I think. I believe so. Andy wrote the screenplay. And so it's uh, he spent a lot of time, John spent a lot of time talking about how this really sort of captures that vibe in a way that a lot of other movies don't. He was a really staunch defender of this movie, which also turned out to be a movie that Mike and I did not enjoy very much. Uh, I agree. I was actually kind of surprised. He almost swayed me to revisit it at some point, but I don't think I'm going to. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I wasn't aware of all the John Irving stuff, that's what I remember mostly about our guest explaining, our guest John, John and John, gotta get this yeah. straight. For me, I think mostly like all that sort of Americana, like Rockwell-esque nostalgia stuff, like it just made, it just didn't fit, it felt too safe compared to the issues of the film. You know, I felt like it padded the issues too much, and if this just tried to cover this more straightforward and sort of less idyllic like and make it sort of like the ideal dream of right. how it goes like yep. I feel like it would have been a better movie and what's weird about this movie is that it covers a lot of really heavy topics it covers racism it covers abortion it kind of covers incest incest um, <laughs> I want to say mental illness I don't think that really tackles mental mm. illness but like there's so much happening here. Orphans. And yeah, orphanids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle, and he dies in this yeah. movie. He's like a little nine year old boy who dies. And, like, it tackles so many of these really heavy topics in a way that's presented like a, hey, don't you want to live here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I mentioned this is the, like, the most, like, the way the orphanage is depicted in this movie is, like, the most unrealistic. It's, like, the happiest place on earth. Yes. Like, you'd want to leave your parents to go live in this orphanage. I mean, the orphanage is so good that they spend the beginning of the movie that Tobey Maguire is the main character in this movie, right? And he spends his entire life in the orphanage because he gets adopted and gets returned. But, like, it's such a great place. Uh He just wants to hang out with him. He wants to hang out with Michael Caine and do doctor stuff. Yeah, Michael Caine doing his American accent again here, which I wasn't quite a fan of. Well, which we said we saw in uh, The Weatherman, right? Yeah, The Weatherman movie. Which I think worked better there because it's sort of a harder, sterner Chicago accent that he's doing. But yeah, you're right. Like, it just feels like too much fun. There's no balance, really. It's all. I don't know. I just not. I don't feel the weight of any of it. It's, you know, and like Michael Caine is addicted to ether, and yep. like that's 
portrayed as like kind of a good time as opposed to how it should be you know an affliction or anything like that but it's super weird and i think we were both really disappointed by this because for two reasons number one john was so excited to talk about this movie but number two it was to date you know one of the most decorated films mm that we had covered so far in Watch of Throne. At the Academy Awards, this was the year that American Beauty steamrolled everything. But Michael Caine won an Oscar for this. This won an Oscar for Adapted Screenplay. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Art and Set Direction, Best Editing, and Best Score. It was nominated <laughs> for a couple Golden Globes, and we're like, oh, we've got something on our hands here. Mm. We've got this, like, landmark film. And we've been talking, you know, throughout about how Charlize hasn't been in a ton of things. She's got about 45 things to do. There aren't too many movies that she's been in that are these like landmark movies that I haven't mm. seen. Like, you know, I still haven't seen Monster. I'm looking forward to that. But we thought, I think, you know, a lot of science points to this movie being a movie to watch. Yeah. And it wasn't, in our opinion. <laughs> and also, you know, Charlize, who we haven't even really talked about in this, no. is not in it at times. Yeah, just to touch upon its sort of popularity for a moment. Like, I remember when this came out being enormous. I think i feel like it's very accessible i mean it's pg-13 you know where i feel like it should be r although <laughs> you know? I, I made a notice i don't think i said this on the original one was that i watched this on cinemax on amazon because when we recorded it originally it was on cinemax it might still be and at the beginning of the movie they had a content warning for rape and i was like oh. what is going on here oh i don't i don't know i mean it's that what spawns the knife fight i think between the i don't remember exactly like i had that's another thing i sort of had trouble following the movie from time to time i don't feel like it's laid out explicitly straight yeah like let's just get to Charlize for a moment here like i was pretty bummed because i thought she was going to be a major part of this it seemed like an ensemble but yeah. it's mostly like a male ensemble like yes. it's only the men who are like taking up the screen time the nurses are great but for the most part it's the boy it's a boys club the cider house club erica badu is great in this and Charlize is good i well what did i say the first time i actually didn't think that she this isn't her best performance to date and right? john was, was saying, saying john was saying to us he's like this is the movie that i saw her in that i was like she could do something more me and mike were like uh, uh. <laughs> no because she's been in better things already yeah and she's been better in worse stuff yeah. too you know she's carried things and saved stuff i mean and you I, know. I do want to say this isn't bad like we're not saying it's like you know it's somewhere in the middle of what we've covered so mm -hmm. far it's not a bad movie no it's just we were expecting this like sort of prestige drama and this like you know really meaty role for Charlize, and we didn't really get either of those things yeah exactly and i, I another one of my complaints too i think was we didn't really get to the cider house quick enough like we right. do it's very top heavy with the orphanage thing and uh toby mcguire's learning to be a doctor and all yep, this yep, kind yep. of thing and then by the time we get to the cider house i feel like we're not even i don't know like, like it just goes by too quickly like i don't know i for a movie called the cider house rules this movie should have maybe been called like the doctor at the orphanage or something yep. because he spends more time there but I, I do have to say like i did enjoy it once we got to the apple farm where is it the orchard that stuff was clicking for me but i think more so because of the change of pace like it, it's just interesting with these new characters coming in delroy lindo's good i start to have trouble following what ends up happening i wasn't aware that he was trying to sleep with his daughter i thought that he was just fending off his helpers from, sleep, from well, trying think, to attack I, I his think, daughter i don't think that's your fault because like it's not explicitly laid out and then it almost feels like you know at the end of the movie when because the girl gets pregnant right erica badu gets pregnant yeah yeah and toby and, has to perform it uh, and Charlize asks her who's the father and she sort of like 
nods her head toward her father like her father yeah and it's like oh but it's it's almost in a way and you know at the end of the movie you know Del Rey Lindo maybe kills himself like it, it's it's sort it's of it's unclear like there's fuzzy. a lot of things that like the movie says hey he raped his daughter got her pregnant and then was so racked by guilt maybe that she right. either she stabbed him and ran away or he killed himself and let her leave mm-hmm. we don't really know the why but we know that his daughter got pregnant probably from him and by the end of the movie he dies but it's, he dies in this way where it's like this heroic death but like he's not a good guy that's that's what was all confusing to me too is that he doesn't feel like a villain ever like, it, like after that that reveal which i felt was kind of clunky you know toby confronts him and he's like you slept with her even at that point after like he's just too like sympathetic of a guy like the movie for me is just it's shying away from the issue it wants to say like these things happened but it's being too distracting by invoking this feeling of like happiness and cheerfulness and all this stuff you know and i don't know i just i never get the tension that i feel like the movie deserves to have like all all that stuff like when toby goes to live you know with all the black guys in the cider house like that should be tense but it isn't it's more like getting to know you kind of stuff it just all feels a little too safe for me yeah it's disappointing and the reason he goes to the cider house is because it's basically because of charlize because <laughs> charlize yeah. and paul rudd who are married or dating they're married I think, they're, right? married. they're married yeah be- yeah he's a war hero, hero or he's in the military or something he goes off and eventually comes back like we think he dies at the end but he comes back and he's just like he's paralyzed paralyzed yeah. yeah and sort of you know ptsd maybe or whatever before that was a thing before there's a diagnosable thing or whatever because this movie takes place in what the 40s yeah. But Charlize and Paul Rudd show up to this orphanage where they also perform abortions. Yeah. So they take babies, but they also get rid of babies. Right. And so Charlize is pregnant, so she has an abortion in this movie, and, you know, Toby Maguire kind of falls in love with her a little bit. Everybody at this orphanage, like, he finally found this family that he wants to spend time with, but then he's like, I need to, you know, spend time on my own, I need to do my own thing. I think they come back, right, or something? No, he leaves, he, like, goes up to Paul Rudd, and he's like, can I get a ride with you? Like, when you guys take it's off? It's the same trip? Like, they don't... It's, no, okay. yeah, it's the same, that's what's another thing, like, it's the same trip. It's like, I just performed this abortion for you, like, can you take me with you? Yeah, because Charlie's, like, rests up a few days, and then, like, when they leave, Toby goes with them, and it's like, oh, okay, and he goes from this, like really sort of good orphanage but you know an orphanage nonetheless to this place where it's just like rule bound and he sort of basically he lives with the help yeah and you know Charlize is there and Paul Rudd goes off to war and Tobey Maguire falls in love with Charlize uh, this is another movie we're gonna get to it in a few episodes I think because we're recording this after we record a few others so we're sort of out of order but you know this is another movie where Charlize is dating someone who doesn't deserve her <laughs> you know she's this beacon of pureness and goodness and everything and she's trying to show toby the real world and it's just it's so simplistic it's very strange to me like their whole relationship just doesn't feel natural to me it's it's a little strange at first that he's in love with the girl that he performed the surgery on to me well did he do it or did michael kane do it Oh, was it Michael Caine? I don't know, but he was there for for it, either way. Yeah, and someone he knows is, like, married, you know, to, like, this warrior. Like, he just has, like, a weird conscience. Like, he doesn't consider any of that stuff. Like, I feel like he is almost, like, a little socially inept, you know, from living in this orphanage and, like, excluded from the real world for so long. Like, it's weird. When Paul Rudd leaves, like, she takes him to the drive-in. Yes. And 
they fall in love. Like, I don't understand it. Like, and then when the... But hold on, but, but, but before we leave the drive-in, though, like, he... I guess that's where he also fall in love, but it's also, you know, before he leaves the orphanage, we see him watch oh, King watch Kong. Oh, watch King Kong, yeah. And so we gave a shout-out to Monkey Club. And <laughs> then when he goes to the drive-in with her, she's like, oh, well, when you're here, like, you don't really care about the movies. Like, how could you not care about the movie? Like, movies are the most important thing. <laughs> right. And it's like, well, I mean, sure, but you're here with this beautiful woman who's like who's married but still kind of throwing herself at you and like yeah don't you get it yeah yeah and that was a weird moment too it took me out of it because it was definitely like the movie saying like movies are the best like thanks for coming to the movies yeah. <laughs> you've seen this movie yeah and Charlize you know what is she thinking like we I never get enough time to get a clear sense of her thought process as to why she needs to be with Tobey Maguire like she can't wait for her husband or any of this kind of stuff like she's it's just weird she's just there to service his character I yep. feel like her character gets no service whatsoever through the movie it's very no I don't I don't remember anything about her at all really no because he comes back and he's injured and and I think the plan was for them to go away together but Paul Rudd's injured so she's like I can't leave him now right like now I'm really in love with him it's like the Florence Nightingale effect when she sees him he's like he, he looks like a zombie in a chair basically he's like very distant and stuff but like I get it then like yeah but what were you doing in the meantime it didn't add up to me because it's also what's weird about it is that after they go to the drive-in we cut back to the orphanage they're watching King Kong again and that's when, when Dewey when Fuzzy dies then they cut back to Toby who doesn't know what's going on obviously and they're just like walking through the woods and they just do the dirty corn in the woods <laughs> and I was like at that point in the movie I was like oh she's gonna get pregnant and then like this yeah. is where the abortion thing's gonna come back but right. that doesn't happen either no because the rest of the uh, apple picking guys come back and that's when we find out that Erica Badu is pregnant by her dad yes. and the movie takes like a completely different turn like it abandons the whole love story between Toby and Charlize and is like oh remember like this is the plot like we got to get back to the plot now. But that's not before we see some bare buns Charlize, another <laughs> slight nudity, where it's just like, hey, we're just like romping around having sex. But like, they, he lives basically in a bunkhouse with like five or six other people, or maybe they're in her, I don't know, but that's a, that's they're, a, in a, yeah. they're in a high traffic area. Yes. She's just lying on a bed naked, like face down. And it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. That's another whole part of the tone being off, is that they're doing like all these risky, promiscuous things, and it's being presented as like a PG frolic like it's yes. weird like they should be hiding it should feel dangerous like there should be tension in this movie like they they should be not sneaking around he shouldn't be introducing Tobey Maguire to her dad played by uh, J.K. Simmons oh, you right. know <laughs> remember yeah. the Spider-Man connection like they are flaunting it and that's not right like they deserve to get caught. And, like, it's this movie where, like, things sort of, like, you're, I think you were just saying, you know, like, they, they sort of feel, like, everything feels like it should be predictable, and then nothing actually is. And, like, by the, like, toward the end of the movie, you know, after he sleeps with Charlize, but this is before Paul Rudd comes back, I was like, well, three things are going to happen. Michael Caine's going to die, which he does at the end. Charlize is going to get pregnant, which she does not. Mm-hmm. And Paul Rudd catches them. Like, I thought he was going to come home and be like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. But that doesn't happen either. We find out that Rose Rose, who is Erica Badu, she's pregnant but then we when Paul Rudd comes back you know they have the the soldiers show up to the house and all we hear is Charlie's scream yeah and it's like oh my god what happened like he died it's like no he just paralyzed from cephalitis B which I mean is terrible it's this weird complication to the story which I guess mm. like you were saying earlier only happens maybe so that like she can't run away with Toby I mean, it feels like an adaptation missing a few 
beats. You know what I mean? Like it feels like it's been condensed. It feels like parts are missing. It feels like you know they're just sticking to certain things that they want to highlight. Uh, and I need those extra things, the stuff that's in between the lines that they left out, because it should be more streamlined if they're gonna go this way. Like you're right, it feels overcomplicated. You know, it feels needlessly complex yes. at yep. times. Where other movies, other movies that are worse than this have done this better. I'm not quite sure what saves this for me aside from the cinematography. I mean, I hate Tobey Maguire in this movie. Like, it's made me hate him in other stuff, yep. sort of retroactively. Yeah. It looks great. I like, I don't know, I just, I like the feel about it. Like, that's the weird thing. Like, it does win you over with its emotional sort of breath of like, oh, back in the day for white people, nostalgia kind of thingy. But I don't know. I don't know why I, I liked it a little more than... I mean, I don't like it, but I don't know why <laughs> I'm saying I like it more yeah. than other things. It's weird. Because I think it feels like a... Like, this is a kind of movie that I feel, if we didn't talk about it twice now, that mm-hmm. if I had watched it, like, you know, four or five years, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember. Like, I think I like that movie. There was a list... Oh, so I found a list on Letterboxd uh, since we recorded this one where, you know, like, the song Breakfast at Tiffany's, like, yeah. I think we both kind of liked it. Like, it's this list of movies where, like, whoever put the list together, it's like a list of movies that people don't really remember a lot about, but they're like, oh, yeah, like, I think I kind of like it. Like, I feel like that's this kind of movie. Just like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, like, it look nice, you know, it's got a love story. Like, you don't remember the abortions or, like, the paralysis, but, like, it's... I like it for what it could have been, and I think that's why I also don't like it. It's very frustrating, and we talk about this often, is, like, sometimes movies are worse off because they could have been so much better, and they're just focusing on the wrong thing. Like, I've been saying the whole time, like, if this just had a darker tone to it, because I like what they're trying to tackle. I like all the issues here. You know, these are risky things to talk about, even when this movie came out in modern times, to say that in the 40s, they were doing abortions. They have all these orphans, promiscuous sex, like, incest, like, all these things, you know? They don't land. Right. It's it's strange. But the movie wraps up because after Charlize gets back with Paul Rudd, Tobey Maguire is sort of the odd man out there. Michael Caine dies. He gets a telegram or whatever. But now he finally has a purpose, and he goes back to the orphanage, back to his family, and he becomes the Michael Caine role. Mm. And then iconically, which I was actually surprised. It's always weird to me. And I think I mentioned this when we on the episode that we recorded in Lost. It's weird to me when I find quotes or things that happen in movies where I'm like, oh, that's where this came from. Because mm-hmm. the whole movie, every time they go to sleep, Michael Caine or Tobey Maguire at the very end says, good night, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England, yes. which has been parodied, I think, a bunch of times, which has been referenced a bunch of times. And that's from this movie. And that's supposed to be like this feel-good moment, like, look, he's the Michael Caine guy now. Right. And it's like, yeah, okay, but uh, so what? Yeah, the torch has been passed, big deal. <laughs> like, it's just, it's weird. Like, the end is, like, I feel like Toby hasn't really grown or changed much. He's just decided to go back home and stay there and, like be the doctor because like he's never gonna leave there now it's almost like he decided that's his role that's his place but it doesn't there is no impact you're right at the end it's just like when he says those lines i was like those aren't your lines those are michael Caine's <laughs> lines like what are you saying those lines for because he's the new michael Caine. but he goes back and the only thing the only other thing of note of the mm-hmm. at the orphanage is that we have a really baby paz de la huerta <laughs> yes uh, who is I mean, she's probably like 15 in this movie, but still sexually charged, like flirting with Tobey Maguire the entire movie. And then we also have a young, I think, Kieran Culkin, right? We have a young Culkin. Yeah. Dewey might be dead, Michael Caine might be dead, but we have two other noteworthy actors now in the Tobey Maguire-led orphanage. So before we get to the recast game, because we are going to run through that because we are still doing the recast game, even though John's not here, we're going to do our best to 
remember why he picked who he picked. <laughs> There's behind the scenes of this movie. This movie took like over a decade to develop, mm. and so John Irving, who we said wrote the the novel, wrote the screenplay. He wanted his son to play the Paul Rudd part, but then because it took so long, he got too old for it. Ah, but then he oh yeah. he was some. I think he was one of the guys he delivers who comes the, to the house who delivers the delivers bad news. The bad news right? yeah. yeah, I think I was saying on the on the last episode that you know if this had come out ten years earlier, maybe it would have worked better because it has that it came out in 1999 so it's like the end of the 90s i just feel like it could have pushed all the issues further but if it had come out like 1989 i think that this is exactly the type of movie you would have gotten and i think that's the problem is they made the movie that they were trying to make 10 years ago and they should have been making the movie that they were making that day other things sort of behind the scenes let's see here let's see here let's see here it was originally supposed to be directed by this other guy but he died and then michael winterbottom oh. was set to direct but then he pulled out because of the lengthy process and somebody else refused to direct it so it eventually fell in the hands of whoever actually wound up someone refused to direct it i guess so <laughs> oh so the, the role of homer wells the toby mcguire role was maybe considered there there's a long list of people leonardo dicaprio who apparently i learned was best friends with toby mcguire yeah right? Oh, right yep leonardo dicaprio Ethan Hawke, Edward Norton, Ryan Philippi, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, oh, James Ryan Franco. Would have been good. Ooh, Franco would have been perfect. Jake Gyllenhaal, Paul Walker, Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon, and Ben Affleck were all considered for this role, but it went to Tobey Maguire. And this is pre-Spidey, so this kind of... I feel like this might have launched him further into, like, stardom, this movie, you know? Because he is the lead. This is his movie. He's trying to carry it. I mean, I actually kind of do like him in Spider-Man, but I don't know how he got that from this. Like how this was the role people saw him in and was like, oh, he can do drama. He can do this. He can. He's so versatile. I'm like, no, he's terrible in this movie. He's not good in this movie. He's just he's just bland. Like it's not. Again, not. I don't think he's bad. It's just like, what are you doing? Like, make a decision. Yeah. Liv Tyler and Tori Spelling were considered for the role oh, of Charlize. Tor- Tori Spelling. I don't understand that. And that's all I have about the movie. There's one other thing I'm trying to find. Let me see if I can find this. So he's Homer Wells, and so I just have to reference. I don't know if I, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the first time we recorded this, but on Comedy Bang Bang, there is a Mike Hanford character, Peter Finn, who is the owner of the Gummy Bright Candy Factory, <laughs> and he's depressed because his wife left him after an argument about cell phone data usage by rolling down a hill in a giant tire. And so her name was Maggie Wells, and so whenever Peter oh. Finn is on, he just goes Maggie Wells. <laughs> so every time I said Homer Wells, or every time I read his name, I'm just like I just think of him and it made this movie a little bit better so i think john was trying to link this to the odyssey at some point because they're both named homer or something but i liked what he said is his name was homer and he just wanted to get home at yep. the end at some point so we have the recast game do you remember your recasts or no uh, i can i can i can remind you if you don't know them. no i don't so we recast Five roles: the Tobey Maguire role, the Charlize role, the Delroy Lindo role, the Paul. Oh, Rudd I remember role, what I did and now. The Michael Caine role. <laughs> yes, we'll run through John's really quick. He put Paul Dano in the Tobey Maguire role, which I thought we I thought like was that. good. He went with Ava Green, who I think he said it was like you know a beautiful woman who sort of could pull off this kind of role. Uh, he went with Idris Elba for Delroy Lindo. Oh, he aged everybody up a right, little right, bit. Right, right, right. Jake Gyllenhaal in the Paul Rudd role, and he kept Michael Caine in the Michael Caine role because he'd be older. And then he cast Lana Scherfig, oh, director, right. who I have the IMDb because she had directed an education, and she could sort of do this vibe of this movie that he was trying to look how to capture. I went with 
Taron Edgerton in the lead role, because I was just looking for someone who... What was my reasoning for him? It was like, oh, orphan. And he was an orphan, because in Kingsman, he doesn't really have... Oh, yeah, yeah. He sort of he brought into another family. Again, I think you pointed out, like, hey, another Michael Caine thing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Charlize Theron, I did Betty Gilpin from Glow, and since we recorded last time, I've actually seen Glow, and she's <laughs> great in that. That's the wrestling... Yes, the gorgeous ladies wrestling on Netflix. The Delroy Lindo role, I went with RZA because oh, yeah. you know, there is Erica Badu and there's uh, Heavy D and like it. Oh yeah, that's like, right. The rapping actors, yes. the Raptors, the Raptors. Oh, that's what. Yeah, we we did coin the Raptors. <laughs> I actually, I also want to do read the recap that I wrote for this because I want to make sure we didn't miss anything. Otherwise, this recap's not going to make any sense. So I was like, who could I cast as like a Raptor in this role? And I was like, oh, RZA. And then for Paul Rudd, I took Harry Styles because he had played a young military man in Dunkirk, Dunkirk. and so I kept him there. We're going to and, Dunkirk. And then Michael Caine, you know, we, we mentioned him sort of briefly earlier. I went mm-hmm. with Nicolas Cage. Oh, right, yes. Yeah. Him as a doctor, him as an older man, a wiser man. I think that's the second time you used Cage in a recast. He was a priest in Children of the Corn 3. And then my director, I went with Robert <laughs> Eggers, who directed The Witch because he captured New England oh, yeah. in the 1600s. Just rewatched that. It scared the shit out of me. And he could capture New England in in the 1940s. I would well. see that was perfect. You get that guy because he will not be saccharine. He will not sugarcoat any of this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like he will play it the way it went down. He he has a he has a knack for realism. That guy, you know. Even if the movie's about a witch in the woods, you know, you feel like you're living in that century. So yes. I buy that guy. I like that. So now your recast. Do you want me to run through it? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you put so okay. So we, <laughs> as we talked about the movie, we mentioned that there was it was a sort of a we call it a Spidey Friends pre-union because there yes. was a lot of people affiliated with Spider-Man mm-hmm. in some way, and so you took the Tobey Maguire role and you gave it to another Spider-Man. You gave it to Andrew Garfield. Yes. Yeah. You know, he was the doctor in um, the Ridge movie. What was it? Um, Hacksaw, Hacksaw Ridge. Ridge. Yeah. So he's the doctor in that, you know, and uh, he's a great actor. And I actually like him in everything but Spider-Man as opposed to Toby, who I like in Spider-Man, but nothing else. Right. So, yeah, I, I want I like him. I think he'd, he'd do a great job. And then you took the Paul Rudd role and gave it to another Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. You gave it to Tom Holland. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the kid is good and he's young and, and I feel like he would, they're age appropriate, like apart and you know I, I can see that kid's a good looking kid here's another thing they're both good British actors that could do great American accents so yeah that was my reasoning and then the Charlize role though the role caught between those two actors you took Elizabeth Olsen yes yeah even though she she fights alongside Spider-Man I guess on the Avengers oh right yes so, <laughs> that was uh, I think that was part of the logic there but also uh, um, she's another multiple recast in our game so yep and for the Delroy Lindo role, yep. you put in Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, Saul Guerrero. My reasoning there is because, like, he's like a bear. Like, he could be either, like, a teddy bear or, like, transform into, like, a Kodiak bear. So, sure. like, he can be soft and nurturing, and then he can be, like, mean and brutal if he needed to. Definitely a good pick. And I think, you know, in that role, the Forrest Whitaker or Idris Elba definitely outclassed my RZA pick, but I am sticking with my RZA pick. And then the last role that you recast, Michael Caine, you did Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, right, right, yeah, doing a flip on his Dr. Lecter thing, making him a good doctor. Yes. And trying to play that role up a little bit, because the guy's amazing. I love his work. And then directed by Robert Zemeckis. Right, because he's sort of, I feel like he, if they were going for this tone, 
if they were going to remake this movie, he would hit, he would nail this because like he's like a Spielberg light in a way, or like he's like Spielberg in yep. that his stuff is much softer. I feel than like, he would skirt the issues <laughs> as opposed to facing them head on and stuff. Like yeah, so I guess that was my reasoning. So we then talked about the awards. We had nominated this for four awards: best cinematography, aka Mike's backhand a compliment that he doesn't really love. It looks pretty. Best score slash soundtrack. This is something that John was very adamant about that he right. loved the score yes. of this movie. Yes. Want to make sure that we awarded it or recognized it at the awards at the end. Uh, we added the basically Raptor category: best musician turned actor, Erica Badu as Rose Rose. You know, still to date through twelve or thirteen movies, we only have one, so that okay. might go away. But she's in the lead right now. And then worst male actor slash role, <laughs> we did Tobey Maguire as Homer Wells. I'm not sorry, Tobey. I just something about it just. Something about it, I think it doesn't happen often either, where it like distracts me to the point where I'm not enjoying it anything else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only other thing that I have in the show notes about this episode was Paul Rudd's turn from serious actor turn to to comedic actor, just right. like we talked about Adam Scott. Since we recorded this, I also watched Torque, which is first of all amazing. <laughs> Second of all, Adam Scott is sort of a serious actor in that movie, but the movie is it's you spend the first twenty minutes or so like, is this a parody or is this like like the dumbest movie and you realize sort of part way through that like oh no it's a really smart parody of like the Fast and Furious movies in that sense you're like oh he's not really playing a serious role like he's he's in a comedy that's just playing it straight mm-hmm. but we do talk a lot about how Adam Scott is a serious actor turned comedic actor and in this movie we have Paul Rudd and John was saying you know this is back when he was he just wanted to be a serious actor mm-hmm. you know a couple of years before Wet Hot right and yeah uh, or I, a year before Wet Hot or two but, I only known him from Clueless and I guess that's where he got his reputation as being like comedic actor, I guess. But yeah, so he was apparently, you know, trying to like he's he's in this movie. He doesn't say a single funny thing. <laughs> no, you know he's charming. I, he I like him in this role, but I like him well, better as a comedic actor. Yeah, I think like him and Charlize. Like I feel like they're window dressing. Like he's a cute guy and she's a pretty lady. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And they make a great couple looking. They make a great looking couple together. So yes. <laughs> for the most part, that's what I'm getting out of them. And so yeah, so. Moral of the story, go see Torque, don't see the Cider House Rules. <laughs> but do you have anything else to, to, ra- to say before we wrap up on this In Memoriam episode, this sort of shorter episode? Mm, I don't think so, but that's a... F- I want to say R.I.P. Fuzzy. They actu- I feel like they actually... That moment was the best moment of the yes, movie. Like, I would the agree. most well-played. It had a lot of tact. Like, you know, early we learned that the King Kong reel breaks at every... Uh, the same place every time. And while, he's, while Fuzzy's watching it alone, the reel breaks and Michael King goes to fix it and that's the moment he passes away and it that's really cool not really cool but like that's a nice moment that is that is well executed possible segment we could think about that I'm possibly thinking of adding to third times a charm is uh, movies to recommend aside from the movie that we watched oh, just okay. now you know so I don't know what we could recommend for this movie to watch but I mean maybe we could think about it in the future adding something like that if it's if it's not the best film like what is like this movie that you could recommend yeah I like that so we can we can institute that as we're recording this we're about to record episode 13 men of honor or 12? I don't know. What episode? 13. 13 for sure. Men of Honor. So tune in in three, week, or three weeks to figure out if we institute, institute that game or not. So, But yeah, so for all things Watch a Throne, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter. You can see all the episodes that we've done, this very special In Memoriam episode. Hopefully nothing happens to this recording. <laughs> uh, if so, we're just going to scrap Cider House Rules. Yeah, it's a sign it's at a that sign. point. <laughs> but yeah, 
yeah, so go to those places, check out all of our other shows. Podcast feature, I think we might have said, you know, go back and check out Keanu Club, because John was on some of our favorite episodes of that. A movie to recommend, instead of watching this one, is go watch The Man of Tai Chi, which John oh, was yeah. on. It has nothing to do with this at all, <laughs> but it's another movie that John talked about with us that we all loved, and so go check out Man of Tai Chi uh, instead of watching this. So John will be back down the line, yes. and I'm really looking forward. I don't want to say what it is, but it's, it's uh, you know, movie. it's, yeah, and it'll go back to his sort of, I think, being the religion expert in yep. a lot of ways, and you know, maybe and I do not remember Charlie's in this movie. Oh, I do. I've only it's seen it like, once. It's, you just, oh, you just you ha- rewatched it, right? So uh, a little while ago, actually. Yeah. But yeah, within the year, I've seen it. I like it. I'm looking forward to that. Maybe a backdoor into movies of my religion. Who knows? Possibly. I don't know if he's got the time. Fingers maybe crossed. If we could afford a babysitter for him, possibly. Yep. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Mike Manzi, and we'll see you next time on Watch the Throne. Lisa, can you remember me? I'm the one that picked the apple tree out. Lisa, can you remember me? I'm the one that picked the apple tree out.